In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by Anderson Hauser. Today's podcast is going to focus on the S in HSE, but before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about health. You know, I'm reminded of the pharmacist who said to his patient, take one of these every three hours or as often as you can get the cap off. And for a lot of us, we've not been able to get the cap off you know, for the last year, it dawned on me. I'm recording this podcast in almost the last week of March. And it was about this time one year ago when I started doing all these podcasts remotely, which is not the way we originally did them. What we always did in the past was we went to health and safety conferences and there we were able to set up and, and interview all the keynote speakers and that sort of thing. And I really hope that we can get back to that in, in the near future. But for now, what we'd like to do is we'd like to hear from you. We'd like for you to share for this podcast some of the ways that you're maintaining both your physical and also your mental health. So let us hear from you and, and give us some ideas on that. Also, if, if you enjoy and benefit from this podcast, and we certainly hope you do, then we also hope that you'll reach out to our sponsor, Anderson Hauser. Anderson Hauser is a global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation. Anderson Hauser is the people for process automation. And you can tell them thank you for sponsoring the show by going to our website, cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast. And there you can also register for our, our monthly giveaway. Speaking of doing things remotely and not having the conferences and all that sort of thing, it's become, you know, online seminars and webinars and all that sort of thing is what we're dealing with these days. And Anderson Hauser has started a complete lineup of online seminars, depending upon when you're listening to this podcast for the month of April, April the 1st, they're going to have an online seminar entitled Efficient Maintenance of Gas Analyzers. Then on April the 8th, choose the right flow technology for your gas applications. April 22nd, guided wave radar applications in oil and gas. And then April 29th, temperature engineered solutions in oil and gas. And the links for those will put that in in the show notes. So now I want to introduce my guest for today, Kyle Hubrix. Kyle, did I say that correctly? That was pretty good. Okay, because it's spelled like, well, spell your last name. So it's H-U-B-R-E-G-T-S-E. There's a lot of consonants in there. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, you know, Hubrix is not that guy. Why didn't they just spell it H-U-B-R-E-X? I... <laughs> you know, it's not common here, but it's a very common Dutch name. So if you're in the Netherlands, you'll you'll see it more often. Okay. All right. So is that where you are? No, 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 I'm not. I'm in the States. I wish I could claim one one area in the States, but I seem to travel all over the place. So Yeah, you get, you get around a lot. You live in Kansas City, right? I'm based in Kansas City, yes, but I spent many, many years in Houston until recently. Okay. All right. But right now you're in Los Angeles County, right? I am. I am until next week. So my goodness, you get around a lot. Yeah. Reckon up with those miles for sure. 
Okay, so you were introduced to be my introduced to me by Mark Lacour, which Mark introduces me to a lot of people because Mark knows everybody. But are are you and Mark big buddies? You know, I was actually introduced to Mark through a very good friend and colleague, Daniel Liu, with SGV International. So I wish I knew Mark better, but I was recently introduced to him and then through you. Well, that's great. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you because, Kyle, you are, and you know, if I were really a good podcast host, I wouldn't be asking you this question, but you work for a company called Kinson. What's your position there? I'm supposed to know that before I go on the podcast. No, that's part of the part of the fun of the podcast. Now, I, I do work for Kenzen, and thanks for having me on, Russell. I do appreciate it. I work for Kenzen. I help oversee the implementation of our solution and our devices on workplace. So I straddle a bit on commercial and operations. Okay. All right. Well, when you go to the website, of course, the audience is not going to know this, but I guess I'll go ahead and tell them myself. We're actually running a little late on recording this podcast because I had technical issues with the Zencaster app and the and the Chrome browser. But before I did that, I had actually pulled up your website. It's kind of a bold website. And we'll post your website in the in the show notes so people can go to it. So I've I've now lost the website. I don't have it pulled back up. But as I remember, it it says something about the Kinson solution and safety for the worker athlete. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, Kinson's mission is really to predict and prevent injuries on the job. So I would challenge the H and the S as well. I know you said it's more of a safety day. We look specifically at, at health as well, and we're looking at preventing health injuries or illnesses on the job. Oh, well, that's great. Mainly, yeah, that's mainly, great. mainly due to heat stress. Okay, well, let's come back to heat stress since that's one of your main focuses, but you used, you used two different words here, predict and prevent. Of course, we're always talking about prevention, but how do you predict some of these things? Yeah, so we actually have a device that's worn on the arm. So you can think of a smart, kind of a smart wearable, I guess you could say. So it's non-invasive. You wear it on your bicep. It's pretty small. It's light. It's about 30 grams. And it measures a myriad of different inputs, basically used to predict adverse health events before they start. So if you think about some of the inputs to what would cause a heat injury illness, you know, high exertion, poor climatization, poor hydration or dehydration, the amount of PPE that a worker is wearing or even the high heat index, we look at a lot of these different areas and then provide actionable insights to the worker and their supervisor. And then I would also say, on a larger scale, we like to provide anonymized data to companies so that they can create a, a safer work environment for their workers overall. So this is what you call the Kinson solution. That's it. All wrapped up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into the weeds on, on some of this thing. So for example, you have a lot of oil and gas clients. Yeah. Yeah, we do. There are a lot of oil and gas clients. I would say it's not it goes outside of oil and gas as well. I mean, think of mining industry with oil and gas. There's construction, certainly on the front end of a lot of these large projects. So construction is a big area, transportation. I mean, you name it. If you think of a worker who is physically exerting themselves, is out in the elements, 
could be manufacturing. Anyone who's at this this high risk area is a good candidate. And we're seeing a lot of interest, not only from oil and gas companies, but your EPCs, your engineering companies and construction companies all the way down. It's a big problem. And it's a big problem because not only are people getting hurt in some very few unfortunate cases, people are dying, but the cost for it is astronomical at billions of dollars in healthcare costs, productivity loss. There's many, many reasons why companies would invest in solutions that help prevent heat injury and illness. Well, this is, as I mentioned earlier, this is, we're in springtime, definitely where I am today, spring has sprung, but we're about to to hit the summertime. So this is perhaps an appropriate time to be talking about this, but let's talk about heat stress. Yeah, I would say the body's not as efficient as we would like to think as acclimatizing to heat and getting rid of heat. There's a narrow margin of how the body operates efficiently and when it's outside of the the normal function. So I think a, a really important thing to look at and, and a prime determinant for if somebody is overheating is to look at their core temperature. And so there's many ways to measure temperature. And I think a lot of thermometers will look at skin temperature. You can put it under your armpit, your forehead, your ear, et cetera. But when you talk about core temperature, that's the temperature at which your organs are and for them to operate efficiently. And as you can imagine, you don't want the temperature of your organs to fall without that optimal range to function because then you start to see some pretty detrimental effects. So measuring core temperature is difficult. I'll tell you that the ways in which core temperature is measured, which is an adjustable pill, esophageal, thermometer or rectal probe, none of those really scale well on job sites. But it's important, you know, for companies to know when the core body temperature is getting too high and when somebody needs to take a break, when they need to rest. You know, some of the factors that go into elevated core body temperature are, you know, whether a body is acclimatized or whether the body's hydrated, if the body's able to get rid of the heat appropriately. So those are some of the metrics I had mentioned earlier, but they're all important key components to a healthy worker and a productive worker. And I don't want to portray, you know, unfortunate stories, but if somebody does end up in a situation where their core body temperature is elevated, where they may be dehydrated, they do have a heat illness, there are compounding effects after that. It may take them days or weeks to recover. There could be an accident on the job. Other people could get hurt. So at all costs, you want to prevent a worst case scenario. Well, absolutely. And you said you didn't want to, you know, talk about tragic circumstances, but I mean, we have to talk about, you know, one of the biggest safety problems, one of the biggest problems that HSE people deal with in trying to, you know, promote the, what we call, you know, the safety culture and that sort of thing. The problem is we just, and I guess it's just a part of our human nature. We just tend to think, well, you know, it can't happen to me, you know, People get killed out on the highway every day, but I get in the car and, you know, it can't happen to me. And then the next thing you know, you're careless as a result. So maybe we might want to talk about an example or two of specifically of what you just mentioned and even talk about, you know, if, if I'm the worker out there on the rig, for example, it's, you know, the middle of August and, and I'm in West Texas. How do I know that I'm starting to have problems with this core temperature of my organs and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, it's actually, it comes up quickly. It's hard to get ahead of, to be honest. If you're the person, it's hard to notice. And when it, when it creeps up, it's sometimes it's almost too late, which is why so many health and safety experts try and ensure that there are measures there to prevent it. Because once it happens, you're in kind of a crisis mode and you need to cool the person down. You explained a pretty good scenario. You know, you're out, out in West Texas, you're in the middle of nowhere. You don't have a lot of resources. Rarely would there be an ice bath or anything that could cool your, t- your core body temperature quickly. So in those cases, it really is prevention because time is of the essence. And it's kind of at that point, when you've reached that dangerous, dangerous point, the cost can be great. The worst case scenario, obviously being death. And, you know, there are dozens of deaths that happen every year, which are preventable from the heat. So I think it's important. And I would say everybody on our team is, it would throw their weight behind what I'm saying and saying that it's, we're, we are trying to save lives. Yes, we're trying to prevent injury. Yes, you know, productivity is important, but at the core of it, we do want to save lives. Oh, it's the theme of this show. Everyone comes home safe. Okay, so so this is critical, and now you're telling me core temperature is difficult to measure, but you're saying the Kinzen solution is something that works? I mean, let's go back to the, I'm just trying to think, you said something about how difficult it is to measure all this. You said something about a band on my bicep. So I'm out there on the rig or I'm in the, the refinery, you know, in some confined space or something like that. So I have this band on my bicep and then who knows or who's monitoring that? How's that work? Yeah. So a few different ways. So the device will give a, a haptic alert, which just means that it vibrates. So as the user, even if you weren't close to your phone, you know, you didn't hear your phone, whatever the case, it will vibrate. So, so you'll know that you need to take heed of the warning and you need to rest. That's pretty important. We've tested a few in a few different instances, you know, when, when guys are using jackhammers or in quite vigorous working conditions and they all feel it. So that was the first check mark. You need to make sure that, that you'd feel it. Uh, you feel the vibration, which alerts you. The second way to do that, you can see it. You'll see it come up on your phone. There will be an alert. There's also a symptom checker. If you're experiencing any symptoms, you check the symptoms and it'll actually spit out if you have a heat illness or injury and it'll tell you exactly what to do. So that's from the user's perspective. Whoever's assigned to the team or assigned as, you know, if, if I'm out there working and you're my, my supervisor, you'll get an alert too, a real-time alert saying, you know what, Kyle, Kyle needs to stop working. He needs to, to take a break. That was my next question because, I mean, I, I can see this already. Okay, so that thing vibrates and goes off. And, you know, the first thing I say is, is that's got to be a mistake or, you know, I ignore it. You know, this doesn't apply to me. Yeah, I mean, I would say that. And I would also say that I've seen guys in the field that they don't want to take a break. They, you know, they're working with their colleagues and they just want to keep working. They don't want to show signs of weakness, whatever it may be. But the fact of the matter is, if, if you do ignore it, your sign of weakness is going to be amplified if you end up in a man down situation or in the hospital or something else. So it's meant to be a preventative technique just to guide you and say, you need to take a break, you need to rest, grab a drink of water. It's interventional. It's pretty intuitive and it is based on each individual. So 
my baseline is different from yours, Russell, is different from most people I'll speak to, and my own physiology will alert the device. So when my own core temperature is getting too high, it will alert me. And going back to the supervisor thing, because I, I want to talk a little bit about privacy here, because it is a common, common question I get from you know workers and, and certainly on the other side with the supervisors. The supervisors see the alert, but they don't see the physiological data from the worker. And I think that's pretty important. The more advanced we get, the more technology that we're exposed to on, on the work site, it kind of feels to some people like it's kind of creeping in and maybe taking over. And, you know, in some cases, especially with robotics, we've heard, you know, that people are worried about their jobs being taken, for example. But we've really taken a stance with worker privacy. The worker has access to their individualized data. The supervisor or the company, they have access to the alerts only or the information that they need to intervene. So we've made a clear distinction that way. Well, I think that's important. But again, people need to realize the significance of this. And, you know, you should be thankful for the fact that your company's taken enough interest in your health to recognize that this can be a serious problem. And and we want to, as you said, it's beginning predict and prevent this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. So one of the reasons I'm not a lawyer is because lawyers aren't supposed to ask questions they don't already know the answer to. But I think you were right while you know, part of the fun of a podcast is 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 you never know what's gonna gonna be said next. So I'm gonna ask a question that I should already know the answer to, but I don't. We're talking about monitoring core temperature as it relates to heat. So what if I'm working in a cold temperature environment what about i mean because some of the same things you're mentioning here about what happens to the body as it begins to shut down due to heat same thing happens with hypothermia doesn't it yeah yeah i would say it does with hypothermia but i'm kind of flip this question on you a little bit so we do have workers that wear the device in the winter time and i would say even when the temperature outside is cooler whether it's in the you know the 40s or 30s or whatever it is It doesn't mean that the worker isn't exerting themselves, first of all. And then second of all, there's generally multiple layers of clothing that are worn when it's cooler out. And that's important because the multiple layers of clothing don't allow for the body to get rid of the heat in the way that it's designed to. So we've had our devices on workers when it's cooler. They have still exerted themselves and not been able to get rid of heat in the way that their body was designed, and they do get alerts. It's not as acute as when it's hot out, or it's, it's counterintuitive for that to happen. Yeah, it sounds like it is. That's very interesting. That's a, that's a very interesting point there. Yeah, but it does happen. You know, I've seen guys with, you know, four and five layers of clothing on, and they're climbing ladders and overexerting themselves. The work doesn't necessarily change when it, when it gets cold, and it's one different, but one added layer of complexity to the equation. And, you know, we've also seen in some cases where, you know, guys are in confined spaces or, you know, they're wearing tie cam suits or Tyvek suits. And you would think with the ambient temperature, the outside temperature being controlled in some instances and being fairly moderate, that they would be okay. And if there's no way for your body to get rid of the heat, the naturally occurring heat that it creates, you're going to end up in a dangerous place. That's very interesting. I think we're bringing up a concept here that maybe a lot of folks haven't 
given particular thought to, which of course is the purpose of this podcast, which is why people listen and we appreciate everyone listening. If people want to find out more about this, I guess there's more information about it on your website. And then I guess also you're the guy to talk to, right? Yeah. I mean, I would say anybody in our company is the person to talk to, but yeah, of course. Well, you're the person we're talking to right now. What we're going to do is we're going to put your contact, your LinkedIn contact information in the show notes so that if anybody wants to explore this subject further, they can. I found it actually very interesting. Again, I want to thank you for coming on the the program. And again, I want to thank everybody for listening and Hope you'll tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S. based partner for measurement, instrumentation, service, and solutions. We are your people for process automation. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you can discover more about Anderson Hauser at our website and register for our monthly giveaway there. Follow us on LinkedIn and also on Twitter. We'll put those links in the show notes as well. Please leave us a review on iTunes and and tell your friends about us. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for having me on, Russell. It was a pleasure. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for April 2021. This month, we have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the Spring Pitch Party focused on clean tech. It'll be hosted at the Canon on April 6th. Next, we have our two online events, the University of Houston PES Career Fair on April 8th and the CSPG GeoWomen eTalk on April 20th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information about any of the live streams or events we have coming up. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for April. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.